Hello and welcome to Unleash Your Inner Goddess, a podcast by me, Sarah Joyce Hindle. And today is another guest podcast episode. I've been having so much fun talking to other entrepreneurs and creatives about their journey. And today's episode is with the wonderful Sarah Attlee, who pivoted from painting as a professional painter to quilting as her primary art form. But we're not going to talk about crafting and art, trust me. We're talking more about what led to the pivot away from painting, how she grew as a person, and all things creativity, joy, and taking new paths. Because there's nothing set in stone. We can change whenever we feel like it. We can adapt. We can mold into the person we want to be. Anyway, let's dive in. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be able to connect with your listeners. Oh, this is, yeah, it's going to be so good. It's just when I obviously put out that I wanted podcast guests of various backgrounds to share, you know, uh, their story and stuff. I really, um, when your email landed in my inbox, I was like, oh, another creative, do you know, like, and, and the listeners that might not know this, but I used to run a clothing business. I used to, so, and make bespoke children's wear. So it really called to me to speak to you. So I'm so pleased that we are here doing this today. Oh, well, so am I. And I'm glad that we have that connection. You know, we can nerd out about sewing techniques if you want to. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. It'll be a uh, separate chat. We're not going to talk about death. other stuff too. Yeah. 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 Um, so Sarah mentioned that she was a professional painter for 20 years and she's actually pivoted away from that to focus on quilting as her primary art form, which is just fantastic. Um, but my question to you, Sarah, is what actually led you to, to pivot away from painting in the first place? Well, that's a really good question. Um, when I was growing up, I was always really into drawing and painting. Um, I was one of those very lucky children who, because all children are artists, as we know, and um, I was never told to stop, really. Um, hmm. I was just kind of always given that creative freedom and encouragement from my parents, which not everybody gets, so I'm incredibly lucky. And um, I actually got to go to um, a high school that had um, a pretty comprehensive arts curriculum. So I got to try a lot of things. And um, and I still was just passionate about drawing and painting. So that's what I studied in college and graduate school as well. Um, but I also grew up in a house with a sewing machine. Both of my parents um, knew how to sew, knew how to make their own clothes. Um, and so we had a sewing machine when I learned how to use it when I was mm, about 10 or so. My mom taught me how to use the machine. And I made my first quilt when I was uh, 17. I had just graduated from high school and I made myself a quilt that I was going to take to my freshman year of college because I would be living in the college dormitory. So I made that for myself out of um, a bunch of my old jeans. And that was really fun. Um, but quilting kind of stayed in the background for me over over the next several years. And I pursued painting as um, an educational course, as a career. And um, and I really, really enjoyed that. I found a lot of success with that. Um, I'm an acrylic painter. I have done paintings in the, the still life genre, in the figurative genre, in abstraction as well. I've just explored a kind of a lot of different avenues of that. And then in um, the early 2010s, I moved away from where I was living and I moved to Austin, Texas, where I had never been before, never lived before, and I didn't know anybody. Um, and and I still had this, this quilting as a background hobby, kind of a presence in my life, but not something I did all the time. Mm. But I thought, oh, this could be a way that I could connect with new people in my area because I don't know anybody here. And so I just Googled um, Austin quilting groups, I think is what I did. <laughs> and it turns 
out. I just lucked into what's called the modern quilting movement. If you want to look up modern quilting, it's it's kind of this big thing right now that I didn't know existed, but I just like landed in one of the epicenters of it. Right. And so lucky me, I got to join a quilting group right away. I got to learn a whole lot about quilting and this world just sort of opened up for me. And I started having this conversation with with myself in my studio practice. I was still making paintings. I was still uh, producing work for gallery shows. And I started having a conversation with myself that went, okay, you need to finish this painting. Okay, I know it's getting a little bit boring. It's a little predictable, but you can't start another quilt until you finish this painting. Okay, you got to <laughs> eat your vegetables before you have dessert, right? I love that. So that, and I had to have that conversation with myself many times over. This, this, this repeated in my head, you can't start another quilt until you finish that painting. Um, and so eventually I fulfilled um, my gallery obligations at the time. And I decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to take a step back from painting and I'm going to look down this other path. I'm going to follow this other path for a while and just see where it goes. And I'm so glad that I allowed myself to do that, that I allowed myself to make that big change. And I trusted my instincts and followed what was more exciting and interesting to me because I basically have never looked back. I love that. And I love that like you recognize that as you're creating these pieces of art, this paintwork, your um this painting, sorry, that you're sort of feeling that pull almost to go and do the quilting and having to sort of almost coach yourself through that. Like, let's just get this done and then we can do what we want to do. And I think a lot of people might not have then gone, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna go full full force into that and see where that takes me. They might have gone, well, you know what? I'm actually a painter, so I'm going to continue that. And it's nice that you were able to to pivot and have, you know, essentially try something else, go down a different path. Yes, it is. And I like the way you put that. Like a lot of people might identify as the thing that they do, as one thing that they do. Like I'm a this, I'm a that, mm. I'm a painter, I'm a sculptor, I'm a photographer. But um, a lot of people don't do that. Like I just identify as an artist. I'm a creative person. And the medium that I use for that creative expression does not define who I am. So I, like I was saying, I was really able to just trust my instincts on that. And this, this whole path opened up to me that was full of joy and excitement. And, and I had everything to learn all of a sudden. I was learning new techniques all the time. I was learning from people in my community. I was learning from people that I connected with in the, the more global community and learning about quilts in other cultures, in other parts of history. And it, it just, it became so exciting and fulfilling. So you've got like a well-rounded sort of education, if it were, about all things quilting. I try. I certainly try. Um, and I love, something that's particularly exciting to me is when I learn about um, quilting techniques that are happening um, in, a, in a culture that's completely different from my own. And the people, the quilters in that culture may have a completely different approach to quilt construction, to what a quilt is used for, to what a quilt is made out of. And that is such a helpful reminder that there's no one way to do this art form. Yeah, I think that's really good. It's, it's however fits you as well, you know, like however you want to let that creative side out into that art form, um, which is lovely. Uh, but what I want to talk about, what I want to get into um, in this episode is not obviously quilting techniques and, and <laughs> all the stuff that we would probably really geek out over. Um, it's actually more right, about, right. you know, 
what went on in that in that period of time where you were like you were feeling that resistance from from painting you wanted to quilt and essentially you've you've pivoted away I don't know how much painting you do now as a as a living uh, compared to how much you do as a hobby or anything like that but I'm assuming it's nowhere near the level that you that you quilt and obviously quilting is your business now so you know I suppose what I'm asking I've rabbited on a little bit there (laughs) um is you know what sticks out in your mind during that period of like starting to think actually maybe I need to go down this path instead well at the time um I had good relationships with a couple of different commercial galleries um and I still do. And I also um, had recently started um, a Patreon campaign. And if your listeners are not familiar with Patreon, um, it's a crowdsourcing platform that works on a subscription model. So you can subscribe to somebody's creative output in whatever form that takes. It's really, it's wide open. Um, So I started my Patreon in 2016. um, And it happens that um, I feel that my time with Patreon has kind of run its course. And I'm going to actually be closing that down soon and making another pivot. Um, But at the time, when I was in this transition between painting and quilting, I had a Patreon audience, and there was a moment of hesitation for me where I thought, um, am I going to lose people? Mm. Am I going to lose followers who would rather see me painting than quilting? Um, And it was just a moment of hesitation because I was also in this place of trusting myself, trusting my instincts. And that was the right decision um, because I lost nobody. In fact, I gained followers. I gained supporters of my work. Um, new people connected with me because I made this pivot in medium. So it it was trusting my instincts was the right decision there. Mm. And the galleries that I was working with absolutely came along with me as well. Like I went straight from showing paintings in this gallery to showing quilts in this gallery, which is another cool thing that I get to do because I'm so familiar through my education and experience with this uh, kind of quote unquote fine art context. I do not like that term. I'm just going to say it now. I make no <laughs> distinction between fine art and other kinds of art. I make no distinction between functional art and decorative art. I make no distinction between art and craft. It's all the same to me. Okay. I just don't care. So um, I get to show quilts in galleries simply because I believe that they should be shown in galleries. And this is surprising to some people, and this is not surprising to some people, but it is a great way to start a conversation with people. Mm. Showing quilts in a gallery, um, it I started having this conversation with folks and it almost became like a party trick. Um, so I would be, um, picture yourself at an art gallery opening. There's um, cheese and champagne and what have you and people are dressed up and kind of milling around making small talk. And if I start a conversation with somebody, you know, we say, hello, how are you? My name is and so forth. Um, oh, so what do you do? Oh, I'm an artist. I make quilts. And it's like the almost every single time the next thing the other person would say is, oh, my grandmother made quilts. Yeah. Or my mother or my great grandmother, or I had the most wonderful quilt when I was a kid and it was so warm and it kept me cozy on winter nights. And so it was just this instant conversation starter that I love so much because quilting has a different place in our culture than painting does. And being able to tap into that way of connecting with people is such a gift. It's such a gift. Yeah. And and it, there's two things I want to talk about here, but um, I'll do my best not to forget the second one I talk about 
the first one <laughs> is obviously the gallery thing like I obviously read that in your bio um and it got me thinking like yeah you would immediately go to to hanging art that was painted or somewhat on a canvas and maybe sculptures um but I hadn't actually thought about that and and what, the question I wanted to ask and I was going to ask it later but it seems it seems apt to ask it now is obviously you've got the art gallery walls and you've got cozy couches and beds do you have a preference for how your awesome creations are used oh what a great question um I don't have a preference what I do is I put labels on the backs of my quilts that has my name and my information some details about the quilt and everything and I have two different versions of that label and one of them says for display only and one of them says use this quilt Mm -hmm. so I can make quilts that are intended for wall hanging usually those are smaller pieces but not always and I can make quilts that are intended to live on your easy chair on your couch on your bed that can be put through the washer and dryer not every day but you know on occasion and they can withstand that kind of everyday use so I make both of those things and if somebody decides like oh this uh, lap quilt is so beautiful like I like to use it sometimes but I also want to hang it on my wall sometimes you know I can absolutely do that so I don't have a preference for how people use the quilts that I make Um, I like to offer both options and kind of leave that up to leave that up to my client leave that up to the person who's gonna live with the quilt to decide how that will work best for them because I can see both as well like I can see gorgeous art piece that you can you know admire and see and show off and then I can also see like the snuggly warm comforting you know and it's still gorgeous obviously but it's like it's got that extra extra factor of, of sort of being snuggly and and again I was going to ask you this later on but I think it fits now as well is because what you're creating is so unique and and quite often something to be treasured for years to come it was it was the the impact for me of goodness like these could become heirlooms in families like what do you think of that oh that is just such an enchanting idea um because I have a couple of heirloom quilts um one that has come down through my family um and one that I purchased from from a collector actually and I have quilts that um that uh, other members of my family have made and those are so special those Mm. are so um beautifully connective of from one generation to the next. And I would be so honored if something that I made became something that a person could pass on. Um, I have made quilts that have been given as gift, which is mm-hmm. so wonderful to me. Um, and it's interesting about quilting because gift giving is such um, an integrated part of quilting culture. We often make quilts to mark big life occasions, um, birth, weddings, graduation. Um, even when somebody when somebody dies, we make a quilt to honor their memory Mm. and often those quilts are gifted to family members and so giving quilts as gifts is already kind of baked in there so I love it when somebody buys a quilt for me and they give it as a gift to someone else that just makes me so happy and the idea that um, somebody would um, commission a quilt from me and say this is what's meaningful to me. This is the story that I want this quilt to tell. And of course, as the maker, I add my own chapter to that story, but then I pass that quilt on. It goes to the person who commissioned it from me. And then the thought that they would pass that part of their story along to someone else who will then add their own chapter is such a beautiful thing. Yeah completely is and it's it's impact was the word that came to mind I'm going to use it again it was just so impactful for me to think that that 
it could have a story like that, which was lovely. Um, but yeah, so many people, the, the, the look into pivoting and, and changing what they were doing. And I was the same. Like, so I obviously had that um, sewing business that I mentioned. And, you know, I'd run that business for six years. And it got to a point where I, first of all, like I'd not really done the mindset work. I was nowhere near the person that you're speaking to today and the person that the listeners are listening to today. Um, and I wasn't able to outsource. I figured nobody could do it as best as, you know, as good as I could do it. And, you know, I was convinced I would hire somebody and then they would perhaps wouldn't show up or they would let me down and so I just kept it to myself and you know a one-woman band does not a successful business make um you know to start with it's great but when you're getting to the point where you're having to let your boundaries down and you're saying sorry kids I'm just gonna have to do two more hours or I'm gonna get up earlier I'm gonna stay up late and do you know it got to that point and then I started falling out of love with it because I didn't have it wasn't sustainable Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm, my mm -hmm. so I've got a chronic illness as well and sort of balancing that with overworking and exhaustion it just led to burnout and I just got a really negative feeling from the whole business so I sort of peeled away from that still love sewing still love creating still love art I do loads of do needle felting I do crochet I do calligraphy do you know like you know these are hobbies of mine I I just enjoy them um and it took me a while to fall into what I was going to do right which ultimately ended up being this you know um coach and speaker and and training people with uh sort of mindset techniques and so forth and it was that Mm -hmm. for me it was pivoting into something completely different that it was it was scary it was unknown and it was you know can I do this what if I go all in and then it doesn't work do you know and I'd already started doing the work at this point so I was like right okay well if it doesn't work what's the worst thing that can happen you know right I'm not gonna That's die a great question to ask. do you yeah. know like we can support ourselves you know what can what was the worst case scenario for me and can I is that safe for me is that you know and I thought yeah you know if things fail I just pivot and try again and I got used to being resilient at this point you know I've been doing the work and, and and starting up and stuff but I think people can get lost in that in that transition period of trying something different and even if you're listening to this um and you're thinking you know no I've always known what I wanted to do with my with my life with my career with my business it might be something else it might be another part mm-hmm. of your life yeah. that you're you're wanting to to move away from something or move into something or just change something because I think I think we can get so set in and like we mentioned before like I'm an artist or I'm a writer or I'm a photographer or I'm a I'm a stay-at-home mom like these things are they're fluid they can change they don't have to be you for the rest of you that doesn't define you uh it's a part of That's you right. right now but it doesn't have to define you and I think that was it for me it was right let's I, I don't have to be a seamstress that runs a business sewing I could be a seamstress mm-hmm. in my spare time and I could be something else um and it was that it was that point for me where I had to sort of talk myself through and go okay well what would be the worst thing that would happen but what could what could be the best thing that would happen for me what could be the most beautiful perfect fantastic outcome of me pivoting away from this that's no longer serving me in a positive way and you know what could come from that what could come from taking that leap from taking that step and and for me that was just really magical to sort of get me unstuck and, and move me through which is why I'm obviously Good. talking to you about your transition and and obviously you sort of said it worked out really well for you but what would have happened I think do you think if if things didn't perhaps go well what would that have looked like I'm glad you asked that um and I'm glad we're talking about kind of these two this duality of of questions like uh, what's the worst thing that could happen and what's the best thing that could happen because I think most people don't ask themselves that second question so um I uh I'm an overthinker uh, hello my name's Sarah I'm an overthinker and um I sort of keep a mental list of um like if this should come crashing down around me what would I have to do in order to survive um like where are my escape and I'm not going to go through <laughs> 
<laughs> Where are the exits? Yes. Yeah. What would I need to do if I need to hit that panic button? And um, I'm not going to go through every detail of that here, but um, but what remains, uh, like I'm, I may have to uh, get a nine to five job. I can do that. I've done it before. I can do it again. Um, I may have to um, move to a different living situation. I can do that. I've moved lots of times. You know, so things like that, things that I have already been through, things that I've already survived. Um, but what remains after I kind of list all of those things, okay, so it's like what's left after you, after I strip away all of these things, what's left in myself, what's at the core of my person, what's at the center of my being, and what's at the center is being an artist. Mm. Now, we were talking earlier about how um, like I'm a blank doesn't define who you are, but there I have that at the center of my person. And I've known that that's always been with me and it will always be with me, even if the expression of that changes over time, which it has changed many times and will continue changing throughout my um, hopefully long and happy life. Yeah. So yeah. that when I, when I ask myself, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Um, I, there's a list of kind of practical moves I could make, but I also must remember that what remains is that creativity that's always going to be with me no matter what. And I will always find a way to express that no matter what. Mm. So yeah. So if the quilting didn't work, it would have been okay. How else am I going to let that creative part of me shine and, and share that with the world? Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. I love and that. who knows what form that could take. It could be something else. Um, at the moment, um, I am a solopreneur. My quilting business is full time and I'm a staff of one at the moment. I'm running that myself. Although I am really at the point where I need to think about uh, kind of building up my team and, and getting mm. some help for various parts of my business. Do it. Um, but I also have, um, I also have a part-time job that is also quilting related, which is mm. one of the luckiest things that has ever happened to me. Um, and I have a boss who is completely flexible, who supports what I do as a, as an artist, as a creative person. Um, it's very, very flexible. It's fulfilling work. And um, I, I know that I could dial that up or down as needed, which is a huge gift. And I'm, I'm very lucky to have that as one of the elements in my support system is to have that part-time job. Mm. Um, so, sorry, I've forgotten where we were going with that. <laughs> That's okay. I can, I can ask you a question. Um, so it sounds like that you are really living your purpose here and you've got that part-time job there, not just to assist you, but it's also feeding that purpose and that, that like yearning inside of you. Um, and obviously this podcast is called Unleash Your Inner Goddess. So um, that kind of feels to me, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is your inner goddess, isn't it? It is that creative artist. What do you call that part of you? Yes. Did, um, I think of it as my core, as my center. Okay. Sometimes I think of it as my higher self. Um, I, I'm not a religious person, so I don't have like specific religious or spiritual terms that I would apply to that. Mm-hmm. But I think of it as my higher self, my best self, the core of my being, and something that I must listen to. Because when I don't listen to that, um, other areas of my life can become very painful. Um, mm. And, and there's, a, there's another aspect that we haven't touched on yet, which is uh, you mentioned that you live with chronic illness. And I do too. I live with chronic um, autoimmune disease. And that affects the how I run my business, how I run mm-hmm. my life, what energy levels I have on any given day, what uh, flexibility I need to maintain in my life in order to care for my body, care for my physical health, care for my mental health. And so that also plays a big role in, in how I structure my life. 
So part of my part of my best self, part of my core, part of one of my core values is that I must listen to my body and listen to what listen to what it's telling me, listen to what it's asking for, listen to what it needs. Mm. So that that's like uh, I'm I'm picturing kind of a classical Greek statue with uh, you know arms and you know beautiful draperies and so yeah. forth. And so that uh, that that's maybe like one arm of my my statue of my inner goddess. <laughs> I love that. I love that, and I love that you you know it is so important to listen to our bodies. And I think for a lot of us, we're, and, and society plays, plays a big part in this, is we're taught not to listen to that and not to trust our instincts and not to, you know, go and lie down in the middle of the day because that's not what everybody does. Everybody works nine to five or whatever and, and we're all supposed to slot in. And I think for me, it took me a right. long time to to realize that, hence the reason why I was burning out in my business because it was, it was wildly successful on the outside, you know, but I got to the point where the, you know, the PayPal would come in, the ka-ching noise would come in and I'd go, oh gosh, I've got to make more things and I was getting to that point where it was no longer an enjoyment for me because I wasn't listening to my body if I was listening to myself more and going okay well I need to build in rest I need to build in boundaries I need to I need to work through this reason why I can't hire anybody right so I can take this weight off my shoulders and and you know what and, and maybe that would have led me down a different path and I wouldn't be here now speaking to you running this mm-hmm. podcast coaching people you know life has mm-hmm. you know a million different paths that you can go down doesn't it um so not for one second saying that I I would take all that back and go down a different path because it's led me here but yeah listening to your body is so important and then and then it's the taking action or the not taking action as it would be in some cases as well you know because we yeah. can listen to it and go you know what I know I need to rest today but I'm going to ignore that and I'm going to crack on because xyz <laughs> so right. listen because and... because I'm listening to external expectations I'm yeah, listening right. to expectations that come from society that were decided by uh, people uh, 200 years ago that like do not have any any real bearing on what my life needs to look like today. So I need to stop listening to those external expectations and and turn my listening inward instead. Yeah. And we don't all need to be cookie cutter anyway. You know, we don't all need to be doing the same thing with the same thought patterns and the same, you know, goodness me, the world would be boring, wouldn't it? Um, oh, yes. But yeah, no, I love that. Your, your core and your higher self. I really like that. And before we wrap up this session, I really wanted to, uh, as a creative as well, touch on pricing um, because, you know, fantastic quilts and bespoke children's wear and whatever that we do with our with our hands um, that we create lovingly over hours and hours, they're, they're not going to be on par affordability wise, um, you know, I say something from the high street, as you know. Um, and for our listeners, it's all that time and research and training and the dedication and the love and care that goes into creating these pieces. So being from a sewing background myself I can obviously really really appreciate that but um I'd love to discuss with you what sets apart you know bespoke craft like yours from the mass you know machine made products that get churned out and put on the shelves in the shops what is your what is your take on that sure well I have a couple of different angles of approaching that question uh one is to remind myself that um, I have the highest educational degree available in my field, which is a Master of Fine Arts degree, and I have 25 years experience as a professional artist. So if you were hiring somebody that had the highest degree attainable in their field and 25 years experience, what would you expect to pay them? That is what I should expect to pay myself. Mm, So that's one angle I use to remind myself that it's okay to charge what I'm actually worth. Um, And when somebody... um, when somebody commissions a piece from me, they're getting all of that experience. They're getting all of my lived experience, all of my education, which is ongoing. I am a lifelong learner. I hope to continue 
to seek out education for the rest of my life. Mm. And so they're getting me continually practicing, continually learning, continually improving my skills and continually trusting my creative instincts and growing my creative instincts. So people are getting all all of that. And people are also getting um, personal attention. When When a client commissions a quilt from me, we start with a conversation. We start with me getting to know that person if it's somebody that I don't know already. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're forming a professional relationship. Um, and we might also have a friendship as well. You know, that's part of it too. And so part of what I do when I begin a commission piece is I listen. I listen and I ask questions to find out what's meaningful to you, what's important to you, and what do you love? What brings you joy? What brings you pleasure? So there, it's this whole package of experiences when somebody orders uh, a physical object from me. Mm-hmm. You know, I make physical object. That That is a reality. Um, but there is so much meaning and experience and um, all kinds of things that goes into the making of that. So it is not the same experience you would get from buying a quilt at a department store. And that quilt at that department store, you might love it. It might be the perfect thing for you in your home, on your bed, wherever. It might be exactly the right choice for you. And I applaud that. Do what's right for you by all means. The experience that I provide for my clients is completely different from what they would experience buying something online, buying something in Target or wherever. So it's just a whole different level of creation. And that's it, you know, and I think for me, a lot of, a lot of, um, I'd get two sides of it. I'd get people going, okay, yeah, sign me up. I don't care how much it is. I'll pay it. And then you get people going, okay, I'm going to come back and I'm going to buy it. And some people did and some people didn't. That's fine. Then you get the people that go, but I don't understand. I could buy that from, you know, like you said, Target, you know, I could buy that from anywhere. And it's, it's that, are you quite firm in your security knowing that yes, we can send them off to Target. That's okay. Uh, I know we touched on this briefly before we hit record, but um, do you know having having that safety that it is completely it's a completely different product. That's right. Yeah, it's a completely different product. It's something you will not get from any other artist. Even every artist has their own distinctive style, and what you what I make uh, is going to be different from what another artist friend of mine makes. It's going to be different from what I made last year. It's going to be different from what I make next year. You know, it's mm. also about that kind of this moment in time, this moment where I'm. At in my life experience. And I do now in the present feel very secure about my pricing. Um, it's taken me a long time to get here. Okay. It's taken a lot of mindset work like you talk about a lot. It's taken a lot of um, education from my community, from leaders in the entrepreneurial community, from leaders in the business community, and um, and from leaders in, in the artistic community as well. It's taken me a while to get here, but now I know that I'm charging what I'm worth and I can 100% deliver on that. I love that. And I think that's it. You've, I think you nailed it there where you said, I can 100% deliver on that because that shows that you believe it. And I think as, as businesses, creators, entrepreneurs, if we don't believe we can deliver whatever that might be, um, we're not going to be able to back up what we're charging or, or anything to do with, with the product or service that we're offering. And I, just before we finish, I would love for you to, uh, if it's not too off the cuff to, uh, <laughs> to share your biggest tip for those people that are sat listening that maybe do have a physical product that are sat there, you know, doubting whether they're charging their worth or, you know, are on the cusp of rising that raising their prices, but can't quite seem to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I am going to quote someone else, and I apologize because I don't know the origin of this phrase. I know I, I read it on Facebook. 
Um, and it is stay out of other people's pockets. Mm. And it's, it's that simple. You do, you do not know what other people are willing to buy. You do not know how much other people have. You do not know how much other people um, are willing to pay. You don't know how other people feel about money, about what they have and what they don't have. You don't know whether people operate from a place of scarcity or abundance. Um, you just don't know. You just don't know. So don't make that decision on other people's behalf ahead of time. So don't, don't say, oh, people will never be able to afford this because people will absolutely be able to afford this and they will pay for your unique product, your outstanding service, your everything that you bring to the table. It's worth that price tag. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Sarah. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And I just look forward to hearing more of what you do because I've been really enjoying this podcast. Thank you. And isn't Sarah awesome? Just popping on really quick before you go and get on with your day to let you know that Sarah is taking commissions for custom-made quilts. I'm going to pop her commission link in the show notes along with all her relevant links such as her website and how you can connect with her on Instagram. If you are an entrepreneur or a creative with a story to share, whether that's a story about your business growth, your mindset or a chronic illness, uh, a neurodivergency or a disability that you have to sort of work around and embrace as you move through your entrepreneurial journey. I would love, love, love for you to get in touch with me and pitch me your episode idea. If that's something you want to do, then email me at podcast at sarahjoycehindle.com. I'm going to pop that in the show notes as well. I would love to um, to consider you to come on the show. All right, that's it from me. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Don't forget to share my podcast. This helps get in front of more listeners and helps it grow. All right, appreciate you. Take care.